Hello and good evening and welcome to episode 73. That's right, 73 of the Podding Shed. Um, it's been a few weeks since we've uh, did a little broadcast, but we like to think of ourselves a little bit like John Miguel, John Miguel Obi getting goals. Um, he scores when we want and we pod when we want. Um, we've had a few weird issues over the last few weeks. We've seen Ramirez go off to China, our very own Rambo, for a very princely sum. Um, and in a, what could be a disconcerting move, we've seen two other quality players go recently with Texera, who was uh, due for Liverpool. And today, the news that Lavezzi has gone from PSG to China. So that may be subject there for some future stuff. We've seen a duck waddle into Stamford Bridge. Um, and he may well be fit for consumption on the pitch within four weeks. So we'll have a little chat about that. We've also seen an American in London, South West 6, but knowing our track record, I think we've probably got a greater chance of seeing an American werewolf in London before we see that particular chap wearing a blue shirt. And we've seen, also seen Derby sack a coach for the preposterous ambition of trying to get promoted too early. And we've seen Leicester City sink Manchester City's rock stars but lose to, lose to Arsenal's Chamber Music Orchestra. Or should that be Chamber <laughs> Pot Orchestra? I can never get the two right. And finally, we have seen Manchester City cry all change very early in the season, really. So we now have in Manuel Pellegrini a proper lame pato. It's weird, but it all does conceit. It all does coincide perfectly with the return of the X-Files. The truth is out there. Maybe. Or to help our French friends from last night, Putetra. Good evening again. <laughs> we have with us tonight the very fine Mark, who is so contrary. And joining us as well is another staple of the podding shed in Donal, who is Dr. Blue Bio. Away you go. Good evening. For those, there we go. For, for the listener who may not be aware, that is the Dutch national anthem, and it's, uh, it will continue to be played whilst Chelsea continue not to lose under Gus Hiddink, with the caveat that despite the result last night from PSG, we haven't lost that game yet. So, onwards <laughs> and upwards, uh, we move in. We're going to do a, a review of some of the games, and we've had quite a few. Um, we've had Arsenal, Milton Keynes. Dons, or whatever they call themselves these days, Watford, Manchester United, Newcastle and PSG. And on the suggestion of the committee of the Podding Shed, we've decided to kick off by discussing last night's rather fine, but ultimately slightly vain <coughs> performance against PSG. So We're I'm, a bit like Twitter, aren't we? We the are. The timeline goes back. Yes. You start with the most recent and work back. But I do want, after all, I, I we live like, in a Twitterverse. Yeah, I would like to cover, uh, uh, you know, at least Newcastle and Arsenal because I thought they were fine, fine games. And, and whereas the others may have been a regression to a, a, the mean, perhaps, possibly. Um, you know, they were, they were good games. But starting with PSG, um, I'll move it straight on, actually. I think I'll be very interested in, um, in your perspective on this one, Mark. Well, it was a spirited performance. That's all we can hope for, really, isn't it? I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were frustrated with the lack of endeavour and spirit. And last night, you couldn't really hope for a more spirited performance. I mean, everybody 
put in a good performance. Even Pedro, who gets much maligned, I think over the last two or three games, he's um, picking up, and he certainly works his socks off for the team. So overall, I was delighted. I mean, the equaliser from Mikel, I know he'd got slated five minutes earlier for turning his body sideways to the free kick, but his goal was terrific, and I haven't jumped out of the chair like that watching a game at home since Wayne Bridge scored the winner against the Gooners in the Champions League under Ranieri all that year ago. In fact, I jumped up so fiercely and put my arms up, I actually strained my right shoulder. Such a <laughs> celebration. That's, that's proper celebrating, that, is. Um, that really is, yes. Anyway, I thought it was a good game. I thought we played well. We're still in it. You know, Our worst fears were that we might not be in it when we get back to the bridge. I think 2-1 is absolutely fine. It's probably better than a draw, because at least we know we've got to go and try and win the game as to... You know, maybe like last year, we thought we could hold out, uh, which I think worked against us. It's, um, you know, Bubba surprised me, um, just like in the Champions League final where we put together a slightly alternate defence. Last night was an alternate defence, and none of them let us down. And, you know, even Bubba, I mean, it's great to be able to um, say, well done, Bubba, again, after all those years since Bubba Yaro left us. Uh, and I think <laughs> he played well, and um, he put a great ball in for Costa. Uh, he had a great game. It was um, terrific. I, d- I didn't go last night. Um, last year, after going to PSG, I vowed never to go back to PSG and probably never go back to Paris. Actually, probably never go back to France. And um, I don't know if you've seen it, but today there are videos of the French police wandering around with cans of pepper spray, um, spraying the fans for over-celebrating Mikel's goal. Really? Well, if they'd read anything about um, Chelsea's history and the frequency of a Mikel goal, oh, yes, think, you know it's outrageously unreasonable to go spraying people. Yeah. So yes, I can show you the link if you haven't already seen it. Yeah, I might if you if yeah if you want to send that one. Across walking around and yeah. and um, they had to evacuate the upper tier before Mikel equalised. So some fans missed it because the French police claimed they sprayed the Chelsea fans by accident. Right. Okay. Um. So French police generally, I would say, disgust me. Yeah. And if they could put the same amount of effort into protecting their own uh, people from terrorism as they do intimidating middle-aged men and their wives on a day trip to Paris, I'd have a little bit more more respect for the French. And, and, and my feeling is so strong now that even though I get daily discount vouchers from Café Rouge, that restaurant is now blacklisted to me. Good Lord. I mean, I'm... I'm I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm sort of a regular visit of France. I've never really uh, encountered that. Um, you would think that after the reports that came through last time, and not to, I mean, you, you gave a very graphic account, um, as I recall last year, of, of how you were treated. Um, but there was official stuff that went in through, through Tim Rolls, through the chair of Chelsea Supporters Group, through all of the proper channels. Um, and you would think that UEFA would have acted on this by now, because... Uh, in my view, it's not like you know we are transporting hooliganism abroad anymore. Um, you know there are far more virulent and and, and 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 if you like extreme football fans, ultras, I think they call themselves in in Italy, in Spain, and places like that, and Turkey, um, Greece, all of these countries which are all taking part in this competition, and yet this sort of hangover from the eighties still seems to be there and still that kind of treatment gets meted out to, to, to ordinary people I mean you know the fact is I'm, I'm, I don't know how if the stadium was at capacity last night um, but there is every chance that someone who was there on a week's business or holiday might have thought Do you know what I fancy going to see that football game tonight 
um, and could be treated like that just because they happen to be going into the away end. It, it seems terribly, terribly wrong to me. We'll, we'll probably touch can, on that a little bit later, Mark. I, can, I'm, I'm, can I just make one, one, yeah, can yeah, I just make one quick point? Um, I would say, Mark, and this is obviously trying to help your um, your social life, is I wouldn't have any uh, worries about going to Café Rouge and, and spending money there. I know that. I was very disappointed boy, you didn't laugh at my little joke. I mean, I know boy, Café Rouge ca- what the all to do with France. Boycotting Café Rouge is just over, over, you know, what goes on in Paris with the police. It's like boycotting Turkish delight because of the Kurdish genocide. Know. You know, I've that's all... I've spent a lot of hours today putting oh. into that little joke. And neither of you actually got it. <laughs> Not really, no. I, I, did, I did get it. I did get it. I thought I'd come back with something... Even more witty and vivacious. Yeah. I mean, because I, I, I totally laughed at my I, joke, I, I, whereas I, he didn't laugh at yours. No, so I, I, I must admit that was me. I was sitting. I was actually thinking. I up early doors. Yeah. Mm. I was thinking. Oh, God, my word, that is a tad harsh, isn't it? Really. <laughs> um, but there you go. I mean, it's, a, it, it's a. It's a good point. I mean, I think actually, on a serious note, um, I hadn't actually. I'd been. I had been quite busy at work today, so I hadn't seen any. Reports, and I didn't actually see anything on Twitter coming through. Not nothing specific like we did last time, where there was. I've just tweeted you both. Right. Okay. That'd I've entitled it, which I wittingly have just made up, Sergeant Pepper. Excellent. <laughs> excellent. 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 Donald, over to you. Your view on the on the footballing side of of of, of last night. I have to admit, Tony, that um, I saw none of it. Ah. Um, I was ensconced in a. Uh, in a cinema in in the West End, watching big the Big Short, which um, although had it been called the Big Shorts, could have been football related, as in some documentary about you know football when Stanley Matthews played yeah. it. I actually I had to miss it, so um, there's very little I can say other than the the overall impression I'm getting from what I'm hearing and reading and so on is that it was uh, well, my son. Uh, who's uh, 12, watched it, and he said that uh, Chelsea had the chance in the first half to really go ahead um, and did, you know, he thought they shaded the first half but got a bit backs to the wall in the second half, but even then could still have gone 2-1 up just before uh, Cavani scored. So going on his report, we seem to have done pretty well. And like you say, 2-1, they're saying statistically it's a 54% chance for Chelsea to go through based on the fact that a 2-1 an away goal and a 2-1 loss over you know however many thousands of games they work these out on still gives us a good chance and I, I tend to agree that you know last last year they didn't know whether to piss or get off the pot whereas this time you know they know they've got to score yeah. uh, and, and, and get going so and if they if they don't win it and they go out yeah I mean it's disappointing but as long as they play two decent games against Paris Saint-Germain, that, that's all, you know, this season's been a bit of a reality check, hasn't it? We're back to, you know, the, our team is once more fallible and all you're looking for is just a general improvement to run, to run into the end of the season in decent shape so that they can perhaps push on next year. You know, that's... Can I make one last point, Tony? About course, yes. was, um, please do, please do. Generally, in these kind of games, in in the last few seasons, where we've played big sides, home or away, but particularly away, we have tended to be very defensive and part of the bus. 
And we've always moaned a bit after the game, you know, why can't we attack teams the way they attacked us? And last night was unusual for us in that we did attack um, PSG. And there was no um, question about anybody holding back. And whenever they got the chance, Pedro um, Hazard to a degree, um, Costa, you know, they all pushed forward and and, and William, yeah, I forgot William, he did it particularly well. They all tried to push forward with, um, dare I say, gay abandon. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I watched it. Um, I normally watch these these away European legs, you know, you know, through through my fingers over my eyes or from behind a settee, um, you know, and I normally find myself getting wound up. But last night, there was a, a sort of air of comfort. I mean, there were times where you're under pressure. You know, this is PSG. They're, they are a hugely expensively assembled team playing in a league where they're 24 points clear. I had hoped that they would have, because of that, lost their competitive edge, you know, i.e. they're cruising the league. Um, and Chris Waddle made a very, very good point on Five Live before um, the game last night. Um, you know, he was being sort of questioned. Um, the you know usual, I think Mark Chapman was playing devil's advocate and saying, well, you know, look at you know, Chelsea at 12th and PSG are all this way abroad. And Chris Waddle said, Do you know what, if Chelsea were playing in that league now, he said they'd be in second if they were in the French league now. He said that's that's the difference. He said they, you know, the, the the two leagues are so vastly different in terms of ability and all this. Um, and I thought that was quite a, quite a telling point. I think we had something like thirty six percent of possession. I know, and I'm, I'm not a great stats fan, but the thing was when we had it, we didn't just pass it around. I think towards the end we probably faded a little bit. I had a slight criticism. Hazard was getting, you know, absolutely trashed on, on that. But it wasn't... Re- I think Andy Saunders, who I think is a journalist, music journalist or something, and he, he made a good point in saying, you know, it really wasn't probably the game for Hazard because of the way we've traditionally kind of absorbed things when we've been playing teams like that away. You'd have probably been better off starting with Oscar, someone who's, you know, probably prepared to sit in the middle a little bit more and, and, and link things together. Um but in all fairness, Hazard, you know, he had some nice touches, and him and Williams seemed to be linking up quite beautifully at times. You know, um, uh, Costa drifted out towards the wing towards the end, but I think that was possibly because he was thinking, "One all, I'll do a Drogba, get it in the corner, and annoy the hell out of of PSG." Um, but it was it was a very uplifting. I mean, um, I described it. I mean, this is a, another. Um, example, uh, we played Manchester United the other week where I thought Courtois had a fa- fabulous game and so did De Gea. I mean, let's face it, um, it was described um, on another podcast as goalie porn. And I think we saw a little <laughs> bit of that from, from Courtois last night. And a lot of people blamed him, but um, it was a super finish from Cavani. I'm not sure that um, you can entirely blame anybody for that. It was They caught us a little bit on the hop. Um, and, and I was really pleased. I actually thought at the end, you know, we were so... I mean, had Pedro connected just a little bit better with the volley at the end, Mark, you would have seen this. I mean, I, I jumped out of my seat because I actually thought he had scored. Yeah, I, so did I, yeah. You know, he, it, it was, and it was such a fabulous strike. Had it gone in, we'd have all been probably talking about that for weeks. But you're right. And I just wanted to make a mention for me, Pedro... Um, in the last couple of games, but against Newcastle was just superb. Uh, and but I, I, you know, I'm not having this Newcastle of rubbish. Therefore, you know, Newcastle have been rubbish, and we've fallen down against them so many times when they've been rubbish that it was actually nice to come out and smash them to pieces this time. But he was good then, and he had a great game last night. Um, 
Hazard for me, like I said, probably wasn't his game, but he didn't do anything particularly wrong. He did look a bit leggy towards the end, and I think that's probably why he went for Oscar. Um, but I just want to... I thought Cahill and Ivanovic were absolutely immense last night. This is the second time I think I've seen Cahill play this season without um, John Terry by his side. Um, and it was, you know, it was it was kind of joyous to watch really because um, Ivanovic is obviously we bought him I think as a centre-back but he had the ability to play in other areas and the whole defence looked to me a much more natural unit with a right back playing at right back a left back playing at left back and two centre-backs who have had limited experience playing together in that position Uh, if you'd have looked at that if that was your first ever game of football and you'd had the positions explained to you, I think you'd have been looking at Cahill and saying, this this guy is just fantastic. I mean, throwing his body around and blocking stuff. It was a super performance. And I think there was a... Even if that means... Even if we, we go out, I still think there was an awful lot and possibly um, an awful lot of hope. I think, in my eyes, that's one of the best performances I've seen this season against... You know, without a shadow of a doubt, in my view, the toughest team we've played this season, the best team we've played this season. So, you know, I'm I'm very upbeat about the whole thing. I, I'd like to think Stanford Bridge would be an absolute Galatasaray-like hellhole from kickoff when we played them. I think it's three weeks, isn't it? Three weeks time, I think. <coughs> um, and and that that alone will be something that those players from PSG won't have encountered very often, if at all, this season that kind of atmosphere hmm. so that's that's my view um, I don't know if anyone else wants to say anything about the PSG game if not we'll we'll just quickly maybe talk about Newcastle and Arsenal I think we can I, I think Man United is probably worth, worth a, a try because it was an entertaining 1-1 draw um, from both teams perspective but I don't think anyone else want to add anything about PSG and what they saw last night <clears throat> Um, not really, because I, I didn't see it. Uh, I, I'll talk about Babel maybe while we're talking about Newcastle and so on, because um, I'm interested to hear that Mark thought he did well. I, I've, I've the few times I've seen him just lately, I think he he does give us a, a more of an attacking option down the left hand side. He, he certainly positionally seems to be able to, you know, to <clears throat> to link in well and and and, and give us some real width. Uh, and looks like quite a clever player in an attacking sense. Obviously, defensively against Newcastle, difficult to say, you know, how good or bad he was because they were so poor. I mean, the goal came down his side, but that was really because he was bombing forward and and we lost the ball in midfield before he could get back. But, yeah, Mm. you know, uh, it's interesting that he's, you know, he's in there and if John Terry's out for a while, then maybe he gets a run in the side and we'll get to see... What he's made of, because yeah, yeah. I, I, I this business of players getting a game here, a game there, you know, it's it's people like Salah and, and Corrado. I know, you know, people don't think much of them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but they never got runs in in the team, or when they did, we were not in any sort of shape. And you, you just need to see a player get a little bit of confidence and see what they're about. You know, particularly as he's quite young, isn't he? So, yeah. well, I think you know. I mean that's one of the pressures, isn't it? I think we found it last season was that we, you know, Jose and, and coaches before him are very unwilling to try new things, whilst that constant pressure is on, and, and, and arguably that pressure's off 
this season, isn't it? So <clears throat> there is an opportunity to show. I mean, I've always been quite a fan of saying, you know, the uh, uh, players that come from different leagues probably need a season to adapt. Yeah. They probably need that because, you know, but they need to be playing in that season, not like sitting well, on the bench for a season. Yeah, then. and I think yeah. that, that's a good point. But you look at—I always look at the likes of the Spanish league, where they get time on the ball and they're just beautifully tiki taka. Let's move it around, etc. You know, in in the Premier League, you're you, you know, you're kicked up. You've got a boot up your ass if you're trying to fancy down it around a lot of the time. You know, as we've seen with our own um, with Hazard um, and some of the, the the sort of treatment that's dished out to him. Um, and I think it's a bit of a shock and I think Pedro probably suffered from that you know over a few games and thought God, hold on a minute anywhere else I'd be getting you know time on the ball find somebody pass it pass it pass it and of course here um, before you know you've got Lee Catamull clattering in here and nearly breaking your leg or something similar you know yeah. um, but I think I just I, I will we'll move on to the Newcastle game and um, I'll be interested in, in the point of view it was one of my favourite days at, at football certainly this season um, because we had um, we'd, we'd met in the, in a pub down the road called the, the Cock Tavern it was proper beer in proper glasses with a fabulous crowd of people that um, you know really just was such a, a nice atmosphere and then um, walking to the ground um, I got sort of waylaid by a, 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 a Newcastle fan um, he wasn't topless. Thank the Lord, he wasn't topless because I reckon he was he was close to twenty six stone. I think he was enormous. Now you've you've both met me. I know Don will probably only see me once, but Mark, you'll know I'm no Harlem Globetrotter. You know I'm not going to be in a basketball t- basketball team anytime soon. And this guy was about an inch taller than me, and he had in his hand a packet or two packets of cigarettes. And I just kept looking at him, and he was off his face with booze, and smoked his fag, and telling me how they were going to beat us 3-0. And that's basically what I can interpret through the kind of drink-induced Geordie accent, yeah, deep Geordie accent. Um, and I just kept looking at him, and the urge for me to say, well, don't you worry about it, mate, because not long now for you, you know what I mean? Um, as he wheezed his way down Fulham Broadway. But, yeah, it just added into the whole atmosphere. And to see Chelsea come out, uh, as they did, off the blocks, and this is, I think it's something we've we've talked about on here before, we've sort of, we're quite reserved and it's touchy-feely, you know, when we have come out of the blocks before, notably against Southampton and Liverpool and scored a goal quickly, we've then gone back into our shell, which is a Jose tactic, I think, you know, get the game under control, rest off the ball, all that sort of stuff. But this time, it just seemed relentless. And, and five goals flattered Newcastle. I think Pedro should have had that trick in the first half and there were plenty of other chances that, that were close. And it was just a joy. And, and I, I think we, we, we almost denigrate... Um, ourselves when we say yeah but Newcastle are rubbish but you know hmm. they've spent a lot of money in January um, they I think will still get out of trouble I think it will gel at some point but you know the, in fairness it usually does gel against us um, yeah. you know so I don't know anybody else's opinion Again, hmm. uh, Mark Mark, perhaps you've been um, quiet for a few for a while have you what would you like to th- no, I haven't been quiet um, relating while well, I've been listening to you relate your um Story of um, short people beside <laughs> Stanford Bridge. <laughs> and quite entertaining. Yes. Always like a short story. I can recommend the big short. Anyway, yeah, carry on. Yeah. Yeah. On to the um, game, Mark. Well, I mean, 
Chelsea just kept on going against Newcastle. It was as, as if some sort of force behind the Newcastle goal was attracting our forwards to run towards it in gravitational waves. Oh, um, nice touch. Very yeah, nice I sh- I've, touch, I've, I've, yeah. I've got a target for this evening. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very nice touch. Yeah. One. Yeah. Um, no, we, we played well. I mean... Um, you know, we've talked about Pedro, but he was fantastic. I know they made a mistake for um, our second goal, but the way he nicked it off the defender and just ran, and I thought he'd shot too early and blown it, but he, he it was just as well he did take it early. It was a fantastic goal, and yeah. um, it was adventurous play. I mean, you know, if we look at the last few weeks, some of our play against like Watford and Man United has been a bit reserved, but, you know, PSG last night, Newcastle, MK Dons, even though, you know, they're only a championship team, we did play um, exciting, attacking, uninhibited football. And it is very, very pleasing to watch it. Yeah, it's en- it's enjoyable. Are, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Was, yeah, I, that, I, I certainly concur with that. I think it, you know, we, we would have probably beaten that Newcastle team at any point in this season, even when we were struggling. But it was the manner in which we beat them. And I, as Mark says, it was it was just a joy to watch. And every one of those goals was a peach of a goal. I know Stephen Taylor, it was his first game back. And, you know, he was probably involved in, in three of them. But <clears throat> it's take nothing away from, from our players. You know, they every one of those goals was, was worth watching again and again. And it's it's rare to sort of sit there thinking, crikey, that, that was a really well-worked goal for every goal in a game. And, uh, uh, you know, again, Costa just seems to be going and going and going. Uh, that, that game, they, I was watching it on a stream, and of course they, they're willing for Costa to get involved in some sort of nonsense. That's all they want to talk about. And against Newcastle, he had absolutely no interest in, in anything other than getting hold of the football or, or making runs and taking players away. And and he just seems to be getting better and better. Um, and it was good to see Hazard back. He, he, you know, people were saying, oh, he didn't do enough, etc., etc. But he was in a slightly different role, wasn't he? He was in there behind Costa. And he was just basically linking up, you know, yeah. Pedro and William, moving the ball across the pitch, you know, just, you know, making little darts, little runs. Well, of course um, he he, he was part of the chain that led to Traore's rather splendid, mm. what I call a team goal. A lovely bit of football, you know. And, and the great thing about Traore's goal is, if you see it, Traore comes right out of the penalty box, you know, 10, 15 yeah. yards, comes really deep to pick up the ball, lays it off, and the move builds from there, and then he's sprinting into the to the six-yard box to finish it. Yeah. So he was there at the beginning of the move, at the end. And, you know, they... <laughs> Yes, it became a bit of a romp for them, but yeah, the, the the quality of the football was what I enjoyed. You know, seeing them, they, they seem to be getting their heads up. They seem to be starting to believe in themselves a bit, and confidence is back. And and you know that that's obviously Terry going off was was not good, but um, yeah, we're good. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll touch on that. Um, I, I think at some point, um, and I think it was just like I said, it was one of my favourite football days. This season, you know, it was probably um, certainly up there with beating Arsenal at Stamford Bridge, which I thought was, a, you know, a, a, a brilliant day as well. And um, I, I, I looked at it and, and I just kept thinking there were good performances again across the park. And it was interesting that you both sort of alluded to the kind of, you know, mark with gravitational waves um, 
being very topical and also this whole idea that you know is for me because we're going to sort of move on to the Arsenal game which for me um, was the was Gus Hiddings proper real first test since taking over from Jose you know it was the one that I think if anybody expected Arsenal to finally you know turn us over um, that was probably going to be the game at Highbury championship contenders etc um, and we nullified them and it wasn't you know one nil kind of flattered them I think a little bit um, you know there was some, some, some good football play there we contained them um, I think the last five minutes were a bit frantic but it was desperation on, on their part I think for, for all of that and I was just wondering how much of a sort of a turning point that has been you know in that going there even the players themselves although they probably internally saying well you know as a crowd we can do this internally the doubts would have still been there and, and they come out of it they've won they've won it well, they've won it without any massive loads of contro- controversy, even though the press wanted to make, or the media wanted to make out that Costa had dived when there was clearly, clearly <laughs> contact. Um, and, and, and we've yeah. said it before, if you're running at full pelt and someone taps your ankle, you know, the fact mm. is, um, um, Mertesacker, or um, it was Mertesacker that went, wasn't it, I think, yeah. did not have to make that tackle, but he did. And, and um, you know, we've seen that decision We've seen that go against us so many times. Um, and to have it actually go in our favour for once was, was pretty good. And I just generally think, even if he'd stayed on motorcycle, I think we came out of that game, we started with so much confidence. And <coughs> Yeah, we were on top when, yeah. when, when, when he went off. And I don't yeah. think there's any reason to believe that we mightn't have uh, stayed that way. I think there was this sort of attempt, you know, the usual... TV-inspired attempt to try and make a controversy of the sending off, but I think most sort of sensible pundits and you know football people you know, very quickly sort of put it around that there was there was nothing controversial, there was nothing to see. It was a yeah, it was straight red. You know, if that wasn't a straight red, then there never is one, and there's nothing to see here and move on. And you know, which was good to see because they do like to sort of anything that cost us involved in make a meal of it and. Really, they couldn't because it was straight, straightforward sending off. There was yeah. no no bones about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Mark, yeah, it was a great afternoon. It was a great afternoon. I was um, oh, um, oh, standing sitting next to Donal actually. Mm-hmm. Well, we stood for most of the game. We stood for um, most of the game as away fans always do. It was a bit distracting. I didn't see all of the game because I, I kept looking across to see Donal's half and half scarf with Arsenal and Chelsea, and he kept <laughs> insisting on having his video camera up, taking videos on his iPad. Then he brought in the popcorn and hamburgers and all this kind of stuff. It was very distracting. Yeah. I guess. It was was fantastic. I mean, to get one over the Arsenal, which we tend to do most seasons, was fantastic. I mean, the fact that the team is probably playing its worst since the Neolithic times, and Arsenal still can't beat us, Mm. just goes to show they'll never be able to beat us. And um, I always, whenever we um, beat Arsenal, which is almost every season... I always enjoy going on to their blog called The Arse Blog. Oh, that's a great read. And to be fair to them, that's probably one of the best things about Arsenal because per game they get about 1,500 to 2,000 comments. Yes. I mean, it is. It just goes berserk. Yeah. And listening to what fans of other clubs say about their club is always fascinating. And to be honest, the general impression that I got from them was that why do they bother playing Chelsea? I mean, we may go into that game this season because we're not playing that well, not that full of confidence. But if you could measure the confidence level of Arsenal fans when they play Chelsea, 
it is at rock bottom. They know that something's going to happen. And in the past, Didier Drogby used to turn them over. Well, now Diego Costa knows how to turn them over. Yeah. And it's a great joy to beat them. I mean, Arsene Wenger is a pathetic person. Yes. Um, uh, you know, he, he, how they can tolerate him, I just can't imagine. Their players, aside from Peter Cech, are pathetic players who really don't have the bottle for big games. And their fans are pathetic in the stadium. I mean, the things they get uptight about, um, you know, they just can't accept that their team is not capable of playing in a big game. And they're horribly fragile. I just hope this is true, because I'm fearing the worst. So Arsenal and Tottenham are going to be the top two in the league this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am making preparations for emigrating. So this is... Yes. This is it was actually... We actually had this discussion. Um, so I've mentioned the Chelsea Bankers. They did it the other night. But we did this in the pub um, on the Man United game. Um, and and it's, it's a jump or burn question, really, as horrible as that seems. But, um, you know, if you had to pick one... I mean, Rick Glanville absolutely refused he said I want an option C <laughs> he said I do not want just those two options um, and, and it was surprising actually to me how many people said do you know what if you're going to pick one to win out of those two um, it would be Tottenham because it's A been so long and B you know it's just a one off they'll never be there again they wouldn't be able to continue that sort of thing um, and you know you just live with it but you know for, for people like me and it's interesting the, the sort of comments about Arsenal when we beat them uh, I certainly remember when I started supporting Chelsea back in 1970 it was the other way round we rarely beat them um, we were I always used to liken it until probably the Abramovich era as a time when we were like the you know the seven stone weakling on the beach and this Charles Atlas type figure would come along and just kick sand in our yeah. face and, and nick our girlfriend until you know a Russian guy turned up and said here's a load of ball workers now you lot get on with it and then uh, show them what you can do so well, it was the Wayne it was the Wayne Bridge goal wasn't it yeah. yes. it wasn't quite like that Tony he didn't give you a ball worker he actually asked you to leave the beach and he replaced you with someone who already had a fine physique <laughs> for 28 million pounds <laughs> You played no part in it, I'm afraid. I played no part yeah. in it, yeah. You were too, you, he was practising a part height, wasn't he? Yes. You were too short. I was too so, short. So, yeah, yeah, you were too was, short. Yeah. It, it, was, it was a heightist society back then. Yes. And, um, but I, I, it was that, it's that Wainbridge goal. We yeah. thought that was just our moment of glory and, and a great thing to... But somewhere along the line, I mean, other people would refer to the Viali, under Viali winning the that uh, League Cup replay, but they, they didn't feel, you know, that wasn't quite... The same. It was that Wayne Bridge guy. That seemed to break something in in you know somewhere well, on the hybrid. Um, but I think more as much of it as is as it is us improving. I think it's equally so them getting worse. I mean, um, everyone goes on about Arsene Wenger being the brilliant manager, blah blah. But to be honest, he inherited um, Tony Adams, yes. David Seaman. I think Patrick Vieira was probably there when he... I don't think he signed Vieira. So he had um, three solid players. Mm. And Tony Adams, you know, as shocking as it is to say, is sort of our John Terry. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were winners and they had a bit of steel. As soon as they left, they hadn't won anything else. I mean, I used to, when you look down the tunnel on the TV or when you're at the stadium and you saw Patrick Vieira walking out... Yeah. You sort of feared the worst. You know that the only person who could stop him was Roy Keane. Yeah. And we didn't have anything to stop him. Uh, so he was, you know, with him and the team, we were going to lose. Once Vieira f decided to um, 
replace it with a bunch of uh, tippy-tappy midgets who were in high supply after Abramovich came in and threw them all off the beach and replaced them. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for which none of us are bitter. (laughs) The the finest framing of the Sophie's Choice uh, question about, you know, who wins, who doesn't, is the... um, is that we're playing Leicester last game of the season, I believe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's the, what if we could scrape into fourth place by beating Leicester, yeah. but by beating Leicester, we hand the title to one of those oh, two. What do you do? Yeah. That, you know, that is, I, I haven't even entertained such a nightmarish scenario. My, my gut <laughs> feeling is, it, it, I'm not very altruistic, really. So it's like, well, who cares? Bollocks, you know, yep. it's about us getting fourth, I think, and um, uh, and and wiping our brow and saying, "Well, we'll forget about that season um, and we'll move on." Um, yeah, let, let Leicester fans hate Chelsea already yeah, because uh, of Erlen Johnson. It's yeah. only you know we're just uh, piling a bit more and, misery on them. And I think the... when I look at that top four, I, you know, as, as unlikely as it is, I mean, City have got unbelievably flaky. You know, obviously, and I refer to it in the intro. You know, they they have. The ultimate lame pato. Uh, um, for those who don't know, pato is, is a translation from I, I can't remember. It, it's the I can't remember if it's Portuguese or Spanish for duck. Um, but well, if he's from Brazil, it should be Portuguese. But, yeah, so I think it is the Portuguese sort of translation for duck. Now it's used as a bit of a denigrating term as well, as in duck, as in you know, as we used to say, "Oh, hello, duck." You know, always a bit of a duck, isn't it? You know, um, but I believe it is still a translation that's used. But the the the, the whole. Um, thing with with, with that, it, it's about us finishing in, into that position. Now, if Arsenal won it, that would hurt me more, and I don't know why. I think it's possibly as Mark said, and I, I went a bit apoplectic the other night um, on on, a, on on the forum for the, the, the fan cast. So I called them lie drinking, knuckle dragging, because uh, I, I just there's not many Arsenal fans I like. Um, um, there's one uh, a, f- a friend of mine on holiday. He's, he's a lovely fella, and will talk to you as a normal person. It doesn't fit that Arsenal kind of demographic, if you like, that you, that you have. And, and actually, uh, you know, the hatred of Spurs, I kind of understand it, but it's been so long since they won anything of any note that if they did win it, I'd just be thinking, well, as I said, it's a one-off. It's a Blackburn Rovers. They'll never do it again. We'll never see them again. They'll be back in, you know. <laughs> Sixth or seventh place next year, fighting amongst themselves, selling their best players, and then saying, "Well, Pochettino's not the man." So, you know, that would be my my option there. I think you know. Do, do you know? Um, because I, my family through my family, they, they're sort of Tottenham fans, etc. Having grown up there, etc. Um, my sisters were up there. They were selling. Um, they were selling Guardiola scarves outside the ground and people were buying them and wearing them into the ground on on Sunday. Really? Yeah. yeah. Bloody hell. Yeah. I mean, so. uh, from a, uh, we, we, we're sort of here to talk about Chelsea. We always touch on other teams, but it seems a bizarre... I, I can only imagine... But when, but when, there's high, when there's moral high ground, Tony, one has to get up there and stand on it, surely. Absolutely. <laughs> Plant the flag up there. All I could think of was had had we announced halfway through the season that our current successful manager was going to go and we were going to replace him with what we thought the next place. Hold on a minute, didn't we do that with Ranieri? He was dead man walking, wasn't he? In the yes, yeah. even our own fans were going. This bloke is a lovely bloke. He deserves to stay and all this. What a rotten way to treat your manager and all this. I've not heard a peep out of him over this. All I've heard is, "Wow, look at the dignity of Pellegrini, and look at the what, what the cut. You know, they've been building this house for for Guardiola all along." Um, 
But they are falling away a bit. They, 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 they I mean, Pellegrini could have the last laugh. Yes. What he could do... I mean, I don't know if it's deliberate or not, but, I mean, they've um, lost the last couple of games. Mm. He could make them deliberately... He could put out a rubbish um, team and, in a poor um, tactically tactical shape, lose a load of games and not qualify for the Champions League. Absolutely. That Absolutely. would be fun, wouldn't it? I was told on Sunday that um, there were people... Um, Accusing Ranieri of the same thing during his last few games, especially the Monaco game, um, nah, where nah, people were calling him a, you know, they, they were sort of shouting sabotage. I think was the word that was used, or whatever. But which I don't believe. I mean, the bloke was just a tinker man, and he tinkered it horribly wrong in, in that particular match. But um, although, as, as every time we have this argument, I will always point out Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. He had a header that he put a foot past the post. He scores that. Chelsea go yeah. three one oh, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. So it, but, but it, fine, big, fine margins. Yeah, you know, he carries the can for Monaco, yeah. but in some ways it could have worked because I think my bigger point was really around the fact that City, if they mm. don't suddenly get their act together, and these players don't appear to be playing for their future under Guardiola. Um, Torre mm. seems to have given up and just worked on the assumption that he ain't going to be there or whatever. Yeah. Um, that. You know that that fourth place isn't completely impossible. We would have to go on a hell of a run. We really would. Um, but I'm enamoured by the fact that Juventus have won 14 straight games on the trot. And remembering they started their their um, Serie A, they started in the same way as us, and now they find themselves top of the league. 14 straight games they've won, and that's a phenomenal achievement. And and. and you know, I looked at the team and the way we've performed against Arsenal, uh, against because obviously the lesser Newcastle, but a very good performance against Man United. Um, unfortunate to be one down, I thought in that game, uh, and deserved to come back. And we really, once we went that goal down, we we came back at them again with the crowd behind their backs and everything. You know, some lovely football, um, and then last night's gutsy, spirited performance against PSG. And I'm looking and thinking, you know, this is perhaps. The point where they start thinking, what the fuck were we doing for the first part of this season? We mm. are that good. We can do this, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm being unusually optimistic, possibly, for me. But Unrealistic, I think. Not optimistic. Well, it, it, we, we won't it, get to fourth, don't worry about it. Well, you know, um, We've got no chance. Yeah. Uh, and if we and if we did and that we did hit the Leicester problem, yes. Obviously, uh, on one part of me thinks it would be nice to see Ranieri do it. The other part of me. Uh, from from deep somewhere within my folk memory, Steve Guppy rises to the, the surface, oh. and I think didn't they beat us under Viali the, the season we finished second? Wasn't it the Leicester yes. game? Couple of crosses from Steve Guppy yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of that was the game where we really yeah three games before the end of the season I think or something yeah I mean, something like that. So yeah. yeah, so if we have to do the job on them, just keep thinking. Steve Guppy. Yeah, man. Close your eyes, um, Steve Guppy. Moving on from the games, I think we'll quickly move on because we've touched on... Um, um, Can I just say Matic? I yes. believe Matic, Matic is on the way back. Yes, That's, I thought so. He played well against... Albert. I'm going to claim you heard it here first. Every, right? Everyone's on the way Thousands of Chelsea yeah. fans. Everyone's on the way back. <laughs> yes. No, seriously, but, as soon as the door shut in the car park and the ignition was turned and they saw Jose driving down the drive, <laughs> everyone's back. <laughs> I, I think it's taken... 
Yeah, it's taken some players longer than others. I yeah. think Matic is finally starting to look a bit more. He needed that. I think he needed that against Newcastle. He needed the kind of the fact that Newcastle weren't particularly great, so that he it, that that sort of thing feeds your confidence, doesn't it? But there were moments against United. I mean, United both halves we yeah. were rubbish for twenty minutes and really good for twenty minutes in yeah. both halves. But I thought against against United, he seemed to suddenly start, you know playing and playing well um, in patches and, and you know hopefully fingers crossed that yeah. that uh, yeah. you know the, and again to, to, to equalise against United in the you know after an hour and you know well nearly two hours of football or whatever extra time we played was, yeah. was great yeah. nothing like the old last minute goal no and then, and, then and, and could have snatched it at the end with um, I think Costa yeah. you know sort of Pushed it basically straight. You know, to be fair, I've said it before. If, if United didn't have De Gea, they would be probably below us in the league this season. I rate him as as a, he's an excellent, excellent keeper. He won't be there next year. Almost certain about that. Um, moving on, John Terry. So um, we've obviously had the news in the last few weeks since our last podcast that um, the club have decided not to renew. Um, his contract um, the club has put a slightly different spin on it and saying well no actually all we said was hold fire until the new manager comes in um, and of course we've had lots of um, you know bedwetting and nappy soiling and etc going on and people thinking it's the end of the world um, uh, there does appear to be a group of possibly younger people out there who seem to think that players can go on forever and therefore you know Ron Harris on that basis should be tying up his boots you know or at least sitting on the bench um I, I, I've said all along I thought this would be Terry's last season because I thought he would retire I didn't think he would um continue but he may have been bolstered by last season um and playing every single game um to me um my just personal opinion was going public with it before the club had said anything um, he's, he's tweaking the tiger's tail a little bit and um, almost like he's, he's he's trying to call the club's bluff a little bit and they've called it back and said, well, OK, then. Um, we we talked, I think, Mark, we didn't talk, it was on Twitter, I think, where we kind of exchanged a view that, you know, people like Roman Abramovich um, don't get to where they are by allowing shambolic negotiations, I think the phrase was, um, you know, to, to, to get in the way of things. Um, so I'd just be interested in your views. I, th- I think, you know, it, I, for me, it sounds like it's t- the situation's probably gone too far and the club are going to say, OK, see you then. Thanks very much. Views, chaps. Don't know what do you think. Um... Uh, I'm sitting on the fence. That creaking you can hear is is the fence almost (laughs) giving way under me. Um, Yeah, part of me thought, you know, the club shouldn't have let it get this far. And then part of me thought, perhaps, you know, John Terry, his agent, you know, are trying to... I I think, yeah, I've been... The Frank Lampard thing sort of came to mind, you know, that... Our initial reaction is uh, these very loved players. How can this happen to? How can this be allowed to happen? Blah blah blah. Um, and you know, no disrespect to Frank Lampard, but you know, we're all emotional about him going. And then the next thing, he's back at Main Road, well, not Main Road at the Etihad or whatever it is. You know, he's supposed to be going to to New York, and we thought, yeah, as long as he doesn't play in this league, yeah, it's you know, players come to the end of their time, and thanks, Frank and. 
we wave him off onto the Queen Mary or whatever steamer it is that goes to New York. <laughs> Bugger me, a couple of months later, he's back. Scoring against us. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, obviously, John Terry represents a, a fantastic era for Chelsea. He is, as a, as a footballer, uh, you know, I don't comment on, on him as a person because I don't know him. Um, but as a footballer, as a, as a captain, he's obviously been, you know, one of Chelsea's greatest. Um, that it should end in acrimony, I think, is very disappointing. Who's to blame? I don't know, because you don't know what is going on. Well, I don't. Obviously, there may be people who know people who know people, but <clears throat> it seems... I can understand the club's point of view. You know, older players... Um, it may be that a manager wants to come into a dressing room that no longer has some of these senior players. Um, maybe the people they've been talking to have, have, have said that. Maybe it's just that they know that his injuries are starting to catch up with him or whatever. I don't know, but maybe they think sensibly that perhaps they should leave it to the new manager to decide what he wants to do. People are saying, well, they gave, they gave Ivanovic a year and he's been crap. <clears throat> That's completely irrelevant. He's he's three or four years younger than Terry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but equally, you know, with the service John Terry has given to the club, very well paid service, it should be said. I mean, uh, my reading of it is over the years, both Terry and Lampard, particularly, did contractually very well out of Chelsea. You know, they they always had some sort of clause that would make sure they were, you know, one of the highest paid players, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and maybe that canny negotiating is what's going on again now, that it should be in public and, and, you know, people be spinning against each other like this, particularly in this season when there's been so much pain and sorrow. It is unfortunate, but I'm I'm not going to read too much into it. I'm not going to sort of get overly emotional about it. I'd like him to leave, you know, the way he would want to leave, but equally... You know, it's um, it's been the club policy to, to only award a year once you're a certain age. And, yeah, they, I think that I, my guess is that hands are being forced here. You know, we, there's, there is the US market. There's, you know, the, the, the Middle East market. I doubt if John Terry goes to China. I don't think he, he would be up for that. People want him to stay and become a coach, a bit like Giggs is doing. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. Maybe he wants to carry on for a couple of years. It's, you know, that's, so I, you know, I'm neither one thing nor the other. I'm not getting upset and angry about it because it's nothing, <laughs> nothing I can do about it. And I don't know the truth of the matter. So that's the way I look at it. Mark? Well, I, I something with <clears throat> Donald where he said about um, John Terry's um, contribution as a player and as a captain... Um, has been fantastic. I mean, um, if we sort of look at who are the greatest players to ever play for Chelsea, um, you, if you said a great player, you'd probably come up with something completely bizarre, like George Weah. I mean, he was um, mm. World Football of the Year, European Football of the Year, African Football of the Year. As a player, he was the, probably the best player, and he happened to play for Chelsea, but he only, and he played about 11 games. Mm. John Terry... Um, I think you've got to look at it as um, contribution to the club. And his contribution to the club has been fantastic. 
um, at least when I look at players in my living memory, which, um, again, I don't want to be disrespectful to the people who played for Chelsea before 1962, which was my mm-hmm. first game. Because there might have been players between 1905 and 1962 who we, none of us really know about. He spent 15 years at the club, played loads of games, and were loyal and brilliant. But in my living memory, I would say he has probably made the greatest contribution to the club. Um, or if not the greatest, then slightly behind Ron Harris and Peter Bonetti. He also played a huge number of games and are still at the club every match day working for the club. So they have been working for Chelsea, man and boy. Mm. Sorry, boy and man. Mm. Yeah. Got that the wrong way around. Yeah. Whereas John Terry has only done it up until he's 35. But what he's done in those, 30, you know, in those years has been fantastic. He's won mm. his trophies, his commitment. I've never seen him put in a bad game, and I've never seen him not try. Mm. You know, he has been a fantastic player. But taking that into account, old players don't necessarily make good coaches. So some people say, well, why don't we keep him on as a coach? Mm. You know, Bobby Charlton and Bobby Moore won the World Cup, but they were bloody hopeless coaches and managers. So just because he's a good yeah. player yeah. doesn't mean he'll be a good coach. Mm. So then people say, well, why can't we keep him on as an ambassador? You know, we're not the United States who needs 187 ambassadors and we're going to ship him off to some remote outpost in South America. We don't need that many ambassadors on a high wage. Yeah. Donal mentioned about John Terry's salary. He's done very nicely out of Chelsea. You know, he's just bought himself um, a classic... Ferrari for £1.5 million pounds at auction. Such is his wealth. And that's all come through Chelsea. And John Terry has had some very up and down moments. Whether it's a racism, racism round with um, Ferdinand, whether it's taking it a bridge too far with What's Her Face, whether it's selling. Paid Allegedly. For, yes. Uh, whether no. it's selling um, paid for tours around Cobham. Mm. And at all those points. Chelsea have never flinched or wavered. They've always stood behind John Terry. Even though the easiest thing to have done would have been to sack him for gross misconduct or something. Yeah. yeah. Never done it. Yeah. They've always been 100% behind um, John Terry. Mm. So even though I think he has made, you know, he's in the top three in terms of the greatest contribution to Chelsea in my living memory, I was bitterly disappointed when I heard driving back from Milton Keynes that um, they broke talking about the game, which I know it was only Milton Keynes and the only championship, but we tore them to pieces. It could have been 12-0. We were fantastic mm. that yeah, afternoon. Yeah, yeah. We were yeah. all driving home happy. Yeah. yeah. And we'd all just got over the toxic nature of the Mourinho departure. And things were beginning to improve, settle down. Everybody got their heads down. They were getting on with the game. They were playing well against the MK Dons. And all of a sudden, the bloke on the program i was listening to i think it was talk sport or something or other said oh hang on um we've got a break talking about the game something else has come up far bigger than this we've just heard john terry say that he's not staying with chelsea because um chelsea won't give him a new contract blah 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 and i think it was very bad form of john terry to do that and to introduce something toxic again into the um chelsea arena i was bitterly disappointed with him and i think it's very very poor naive and childish and badly ill-advised negotiating on his part that's interesting because i you know the 
the, the, the account that I've read and, and that I've kind of heard through another channel was it was, um, I, can't, I can't remember his agent's name, Paul Nicholas or something like that, um, you know, had, had kind of gone in and done this and, 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 and basically done a bit of grandstanding to the club um, you know um, you know, you need to give this bloke another year blah blah he deserves this he deserves this and all this um, and the club's reaction was we're not ready to make any commitment yet because obviously you know we don't know what the new coach wants. if we offer him a year's contract and the new coach comes in and says do you know what clean sweep I'm starting again you need rebuilding um, they're suddenly in with a payoff or whatever um, and that could be part of the reason I mean we don't know what politics goes on but what we do know is there will be politics um, and, and there will be some sort of boardroom politics going on I guess at, at some sort of governance level um, I'm with you Mark I think it um, I'll put it less uh, less um, uh, politely as you but it pissed on our fireworks that day and um, there was no need for that I think you, even if we'd waited a couple of days so that people driving home who'd gone there and enjoyed the game and those of us who watched it on the TV or whatever enjoyed it um, could have just had, after what has been an effectively a fairly shit season, um, could have could have actually just had a couple of days of going to work the next day and have everybody going, well, yeah, it was only MK Dons who smashed them and giving them the argument about saying we well, were only beat in front of them. Instead of which, you go walking into work and people are going, Christ almighty, eh? Getting rid of John Terry, would he? Can you... Look, it, was, it was again... Nowhere near some of the toxicity levels we saw with Mourinho, but it was just yet again putting Chelsea in 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 the front or on the back pages for the wrong reasons again. Mm. Um, and we we will probably never get to the bottom of it. I, I suspect that an agent has basically gone in and played poker against the world poker champion, thinking he could do it this time. And you know Roman Abramovich, um, I. Type point, Mark's point, and a Twitter point, whatever, that shambolic negotiations are not what made Roman Abramovich the multi billionaire that he is today. You mm. know, I think he would have seen through that, and, and even if it wasn't him directly, the representatives that do it, whether it's Marina or Eugene or Bruce or whoever, would have seen through that and said, nah, you're not doing that to us. I, I can't, I'm not sure I can see a way back. I, I, Having I said that, um, on footballing terms. Yeah. I, I think John Terry should be kept for another season because I still think he is a bloody good defender. Oh yeah, he is. He I mean, is. he's never been quick, but it doesn't matter. He's always in the right place. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I, I, I would keep him in my team. I mean, if I was negotiating for John Terry, I would say that he should be the highest paid defender because he's still the best and you're only going to give him a short term contract. If you um, commit to anything for longer, you always get a discount. Mm. If I hire a car for a month instead of a week, I will get it at a cheaper daily rate. Yeah. So yeah. if I'm only willing to commit to a day's rental of John Terry, I accept I'm going to have to pay the highest daily rate. Mm. So, and I think he's worth it. Yeah. Although at this point, we should sort of just scotch any rumours that we are buying into the Chelsea rent boy mentality. <laughs> That's, yeah. I think, I think I, mean, I, I should make that very clear. At it this may moment. be opportune in that John Terry might have just done his hamstring and his cartilage mm. and yeah. that might be his gearbox gone. Yeah. 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 His negotiating position has weakened if that injury has any. It, yeah. Is his chron if it's a sort of chronic type thing that might be nagging him now for another six yeah. months, it, uh, there's, there's one other thing I'd like to, to say, and yeah. that's, while I agree with most of what Tony said, I think uh, um, it, it certainly 
pissing on fireworks might be an accepted idiom, but I think in terms of the actual effect that it had, it was much more gut-wrenching than just, you know, wandering over and, you know, putting out someone's Roman candle with your urine. I think they, I think he pissed on our chips, mm. quite honestly. Yes. I think there was a, a distinct taste of vinegary urea on my chips <laughs> that night. <laughs> Definitely. As I unwrapped them. Um, I'll just, well, yeah. I'll, and I'll put it on and I'll say it was disappointing Fantastic. very disappointing yeah. the, the other know. thing also that I don't understand is that um, some of our fans take any opportunity whether it's Jose Mourinho or um, John Terry to be vicious and vindictive to Roman Abramovich um, and I think everyone should remember which side our bread is buttered um, you know he is the main man not John Terry, not um, Jose Mourinho. And w when these things come out, they all start slagging him off on Twitter, which is just a receptacle for um, vile comments, and start acting like petulant, spoiled kids. You know, if Roman doesn't buy Jose Mourinho um, Pogba, it's equivalent to a, a child of a rich parent saying, well, why aren't you buying me that new Porsche? Mm. How can I possibly manage on my two-year-old BMW? Yeah. You know, we'll just get on with it and drive it as best you can. And that's, you know, that's the same thing for Mourinho. Yeah, and if we don't want John Terry, it's Roman's decision. And, and everyone slags off Emanalu. Roman is entitled to whichever advisors he wants. And if he likes Emanalu and trusts his opinion and values his opinion, he's fully entitled to have him as his paid lackey. It's not for us to say to Roman, get rid of Emanalu because of what you've done for John Terry. Well, Roman can Roman picks the advisors he wants, just like John Terry mm. picks the agent he wants. I was pleasantly surprised in the pub on Sunday by the number of people who think that Emanalu is almost an irrelevance. That the, the, the idea, that, you know, the idea of scapegoating him. Um, you know, you might as well be scapegoating Gary Staker. <laughs> it's that kind of thing. You know, he's there. He has some sort of advisory capacity. But this idea that he, um, you know, he's locked in a, a, a kind of ivory tower making life or death decisions on which players come, go, and all this sort of thing. Ultimately ridiculous. Like, I'm, you know, like, in, like most organisations, there's probably some sort of committee uh, uh, and, and consensus that comes out of that. Um, I'm going to put just put it on record I think JT is a great player I think um, that um, I still think this would have been his last season anyway it just didn't quite happen in the way that I, I expected it to um, we're not going to see many captains like that and one thing that we do seem to be very good at is producing captains you know when you look at Ron Harris Den um, uh, Dennis Wise and uh, and the likes and you know I look across other clubs and think I'm not sure many of them have had that level of loyalty and and, and there was a commentary on the radio. Was it last night, night before? I forget which teams they were talking uh, talking about or commentating on. But the subject came up, and uh, one of the co-commentator, shocking memory, I can't even remember. But he's he's, a, he's an ex-player, and he's not you know he's not someone who retired thirty years ago. He's more like someone who retired say ten years ago. And he was saying that whatever it is about the modern game, the traditional captain figure you know sort of and they were talking about Colaccini and why was Colaccini captain at Newcastle and blah 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 and he was saying people I'll tell you what it was it was Joey Barton and he was saying you know 
Colaccini was made captain. He didn't want it. He was he was given it. But he's been captain for two or three seasons. And the idea that, you know, this is all his fault was, was rubbish, blah, blah, blah. But he, Joey Barton was just saying that, you know, there, there aren't the players in the game that, that want to do this leadership thing anymore. Mm. You know, that they're, they're not there in the numbers. The sort of, you know, full blood and thunder Terry Butcher style yeah. captaincy that <clears throat> that's not necessarily part of the game, the modern game anymore, or, or maybe the way players are trained and, and come out of academies or whatever. Well, it's, you know, certainly, it's certainly been the way. It was quite interesting to hear him talk yeah. because he's obviously, you know, he's still playing. You know, he knows yeah. the game, and he was talking, you know, in quite a sensible way, which. You know, fair play to Joey Barton, I think, I think he, when he talks about football, he usually says sensible things. There, there is something in that, I think, uh, because, it, you know, it's, it's a peculiarly English thing, isn't it, that the, the, the level of importance given to the captaincy in Italy, I think it's basically given to the longest-serving players. So it's just like a, a kind of honourable... Um, title, you know, it doesn't really mean that much, and, and certainly not the same connotations as in this country. Um, we've got about five minutes left, chaps. I just want to move quickly on to um, uh, a subject um, uh, of, of the coaches. Um, we seem to be being linked almost every day with a different coach, um, and almost every day I'm reading that we've either signed them on a four-year deal. Um, we're about to sign them on a four-year deal, or they have distanced themselves from the role. Um, uh, I'm still no clearer. Um, the last thing I heard was that you know um, Diego Simeone had, had decided he was going to do. Um, he was taking English lessons. Um, we've been linked with Conte, um, you know, because he's out of contract after the Euros. Um, the Italian coach. Um, we've been linked with. Um, I, I believe they call him Max, but Massimiliano Allegri. Um, the Juventus coach, um, presumably on the basis that um, you know he's done pretty well with them. Um, some guy called George Sampaoli, who gave Chile a half decent World Cup, but has never managed at any sort of club level, which seems the kind of ludicrous decision that we would make. Um, uh, Manuel Lapdog Pellegrini, I, I think, would would cure my Sunday night insomnia for sure. I'd never never have to worry about going into work on three hours sleep again because I could put one of his um, press conferences on. Um, I just wondered if you had any views on that because it does seem slightly, uh, you know, I'm not sure whether the club are clever enough and covert enough to have already got their man and marked their man um, or whether or not these coaches are doing it on the basis that they're in jobs and therefore it's a PR thing, I'm not going anywhere or whether we've genuinely just, you know, the the top table of, of or the table of top talent has diminished to a degree that, you know, we are not the attractive proposition um, that we once were, money notwithstanding. Any views, chaps? Well, I think if the salary is £9.8 million a year, we're, we're a very attractive proposition um, to anyone. Um, but it doesn't really matter anyway, does it? Look, it's only um, keeping the seat. Well, it's, only the, it's interim for <laughs> um, three years until Jose comes back. Yeah. We're going to go through a cycle of Jose for the next... <laughs> until he manages Portugal. <laughs> so, personally, my preference would be Barry Fry, because I think Peterborough have done very well this season. <laughs> <laughs> He's not still at Peterborough, is he? Yeah, he was on TV the other night when they um, played West Brom in the Cup. Oh, okay, okay. Lively um, O'Reilly. Yeah. He's, he's full of enthusiasm for it still. Is he? Yeah. Crikey. <laughs> pro, pro, I think, is, is You're it, not going to get many buyers there, Mark. I believe there was an article in the Guardian. They, they called them PFM, proper football men. 
you know, he's a, what is a proper football man? You know, apparently he, no one can really define it. You know, but um, don't know any views on on on, on the, the coach situation. Is that, you know, just a passing comment, really? But uh, it just seems to me a bit of a trend of he's here. We've signed you know, I mean, the Express were absolutely blasting it everywhere. We have signed Allegri for four years. Couldn't find it anywhere else. But the Express, he have signed, you know, then suddenly nothing the next day, you know. And it's, I mean, it, it's it's obviously paper stories, selling print or whatever, but it just seems to me that there's an awful lot of the, and, and I agree with Mark, if someone offers me 10 million quid a year as, you know, as, as, as rubbish and incompetent as I would be as a football manager, I would be inclined to take that job, you know. <laughs> um, but I just wondered if you had any thoughts on it. Um, no, other than sort of general... Uh, cynicism and confusion yeah like you say there's this constant uh, you know parade of, of managers you know thrown up and coaches and now, now the sort of January uh, window has has closed um, so player speculation dies down and so it all turns to to managers I, I mean I don't know who who who's going to come I have no idea uh, do I want anyone in particular? I'd have to confess I'm not knowledgeable enough. No. Uh, certainly someone like, um, you know, Pochettino was the sort of person that maybe we should have picked up when he was climbing the ladder. Uh, yeah, yeah there's, there's talk of United going after him now. Um, the, the two Italians, Conti and the other fellow, yeah, they're, they're all good coaches, all good managers. I don't know whoever comes in. You know, he'll have my support until such time as he as he as he doesn't as he as he proves himself unworthy of it. Yeah, you know, yeah, because of course, yeah. with my support comes a great deal of worthiness. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's difficult to know, isn't it? You, they talk about um, uh, your man at uh, Southampton. You know, Dutch person. Yeah. I was trying to work out which nationality we're we're due to have now. Um, and I think it might actually be Italy's turn yeah. to provide someone, but I couldn't be sure. You know, I suppose the dream would be for us to pluck some young, you know, UK-based coach from relative obscurity to the shock of everyone, and he goes on and does yeah, a fantastic job. A, but a, few, a few people have said, like, you know, Eddie Howe, when you think of the, the phenomenal job he's done, but, it, you know, it, it's a, it would be a, a, a humongous step for it. A, a, a genuinely nice chap, I think, you know, the, the probably needs to, you know, blood himself at a, a, a club like, you know, potentially a, a, maybe a Newcastle or someone like that and, and, and go from there. And we're not the sort of club that's going to take a chance on, on somebody, no matter how bright, intelligent, media-friendly and what, you know, somebody's done a frankly miraculous job um, with Bournemouth. Um, my outside money was, um, I thought it was about time and we had a German. So I, I was looking and wondering whether Joachim Love, I don't know how you pronounce it, um, might have had enough after the Euros and decided to go into club management and whether we could see him strutting the line in his white, crisp white shirt and dark trousers and um, undyed hair. I'm sure it is dyed. <laughs> so one, one short trip to Berlin and you've... Um... Oh, I, I, I have. I, I must admit, I'm, God, you know, I'm, I'm very enamoured with the country. But um, taking the Kaiser's I, shilling, I did say. You know, I, I tweeted last night. I'd love you. I've been watching Michael Ballack, who was he was he was in fine form on BT Sport. You know, um, uh, and and 
a hoddle. Yeah, they, they they had a fairly good panel. Rio Ferdinand aside, to be fair, he was quite complimentary to us. But it was lovely to hear Michael Ballack giving it. You know, you know, a, a, on a different level, I think, to certainly what Rio Ferdinand can can claim. You know, um, just very quickly then. Um, last point, we'll do the the parish notices. Um, um, Pato um, comes in apparently overweight, um, not ready yet, um, unfit. Is he needed? Is it a good thing? Is Miazga a good thing? Um, were we right to sell Ramirez? I'm quite disappointed to see Ramirez go. I think he'll always have a fond place in my heart for number one being a red card waiting to happen, but also that goal, that's one goal that uh, that I will always, you know, think, yeah. my God, he changed that he changed everything with that goal. Yes, that day. Yeah. So, that's a good price, though. I mean, um, oh, fab- we're, yeah. we're in danger of. Chinese, you know, take away all our players. Yes, and I, uh, perhaps a, a future. <laughs> for, yeah. He's got some crackers in. He started with the cafe rouge. Well, and there was. I don't, yeah. You didn't know. I don't know if you noticed it, but I noticed the bridge too far comment. You know, over John Terry, which was a lovely reference there. Um, I'll try my best. Yeah, it was very good. Um, no, I mean, Pato is just a bizarre signing. I mean, we have made some bizarre signings over the year. It's up but there, to be fair, we have, at least like we have paid him. At, at least he's only on um, salary. But we are paying his salary. I, mean, I don't know how much he's getting each week. But um, why Why would yeah. you pay for someone who... Um, and also, Pato, he knew this transfer was coming. Mm. Why didn't he go out and quit run around the block a few times yeah, before yeah. Um, he got on the plane? Yeah. yeah. In, in, in bags, just to, just to shed the weight a bit. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't, he didn't look particularly out of shape to me. When I, I've seen pictures of him or whatever, and I'm guessing it's probably turn of you know pace or whatever he's you know been playing in a South American league which I doubt is anywhere near um, the, you know the, the, the same sort of frenetic nature as we are but um, and obviously with Falcao being an utter dead loss and us you know um, being unable to shift him um, you know even took him down if you took him down Blackbush Market you, you might have got a second hand fiat for him but that would have been about yeah. it I think I mean one day we'll have to construct a team of um, dead loss signings Mm. Oh yeah, we could I have did it. Ron in midfield, Pato yeah. up front, and um, who was that last one you mentioned? Falcao. Falcao We've got three yeah. for start. Yeah. yeah, I did it a few years ago when we had back in the old good old days of the, um, the Chelsea blog. I think I I did it um, from the, the, the fictional school I used to write about, where there was this book hidden in a safe which contained the names of those that would never be mentioned again. In the end, the Chris Sutton was in there. <laughs> you know, those sort of players, Robert Fleck. Um, yeah, we'd be interested. Oh, God. oh yes, he was in there. You know, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, I think we'll probably cover this one off when we've got a slightly um, less packed schedule. Um, I'm going to move on to the parish notices. So, um, to our listener, um, and I've met a few of them now, so I can actually say with confidence that we have listeners. Um, and a couple of Irish lads that were in the pub on on Saturday. Um, were just talking to us and then David she said you do know that this is grosser Jack and they were oh my god from the podding shed you know and it was like oh okay then you know um, I do find myself walking um, certainly in the pubs that I've been to lately um, around the ground uh, you know, I, I have this double in, you know I- I introduction thing going on you know hi I'm Tony at grosser Jack so mm-hmm. Rick Glanville was oh um, nice to meet you Tony I went yeah I do the podding shed go grosser Jack oh you're grosser Jack I was like oh okay then um, so it's quite interesting but if you, you like you're, you're, only a, you're only a short step away from having to take your own personal security I think as yes. the crowd starts to yeah, mob yeah. you yeah, but don't, quite, don't make jokes like short you took the words out of my mouth there Mark I was going to say you know, <laughs> I have no choice in this matter you know <laughs> 
you know, my, 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 you know, I, I, I still win all the plaudits at the Christmas parties in my Oompa Loompa outfit, you know, um, you know, when I'm not actually auditioning to be, um, a Wookiee. Um, so, yeah, get on, get on with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, if you like this sort of stuff, um, it's educational, it's informational, it's infotainment, I believe the phrase is these days. Um, you can catch it on, um, the Podding Shed. Um, it's poddingshed.com. If you Google it, and I can tell you now because I've just Googled it, it is the first thing that will come up um, if you type in the Podding Shed. Um, it's also available on iTunes usually from some point uh, mid-morning tomorrow after our um, leader, um, Nick, has done his wonderful production job on it. Um, and, and run it past the lawyers. And run it past the lawyers to make sure. And also picked out which of Mark's um, subtle one-liners will tighten it up. Um, I don't think me or Donal have had one on there for a while now. Um we need to up our game there. Um, it just finishes for me to say, has anyone else got anything they want to quickly mention before we sign off? I think we've done um, well tonight being a man down. Yes. yes. We've kept it going at the, at the normal pace up until the last minute. So yeah. I think we deserve credit for that. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> I'm like Lester. <laughs> um, I'd just say, you're talking about our, our fan and listener. Um, I haven't been... Uh, see, I've been a bit busy lately and so I haven't been looking at Twitter much. But I did catch late yesterday evening that um, I think it was uh, Mr. Chidgley and also Joe Tweeds were sort of yeah, answering um, someone who was talking about, you know, what other podding, what other podcasts should I listen to? And they threw our name in the uh, in the hat. So many thanks to them, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, received Chidges on the fan cast and Joe yeah. Tweeds writes some very good you know, long reads yeah. on uh, yeah. We Ain't Got No History for the Plains of Almeria. So, Absolutely, yeah. so thanks to them for that. It's nice to know. Um, but mm. I certainly seem to have picked up on a few people who, uh, who, who like it simply because of the difference and, and the slightly different way we look at things. And um, I think they like um, the cultural um, uh, side of it that we add in as well. We haven't done any transport references for a while. Maybe we need to slip a few trains in or something next time. Um, anything else from you, Mark? No, not for me. Okay, well, it all just um, behoves me to say um, thank you very much to um, both of you, to Donal um, for this evening, and to Mark. Um, mm. Good night, Mark. Good night. Good night, Donal. This is getting like Little House on the Prairie, Tony. It is indeed, oh, right. yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Good night, Jim Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Good night. Right. And, um, and from me, Tony, good night, everybody. Thanks a lot.